Welcome to the Academy of General Dentistry podcast series featuring Dr. George Schmidt. Each episode features experts in the field of dentistry who share insights and inspiration to help you succeed. Let's get started. Hey, Dr. George Schmidt here, your host for the AGD podcast series. Welcome back, and we are excited today to welcome a very special guest, Dr. Gigi Meineke. Hey, George. Great to be here. Fantastic. How are you, Gigi? Wonderful. Thank you. You know, in addition to being an expert in the field of facial aesthetics and facial injectables, Dr. Meineke is a graduate of Boston University School of Dental Medicine, where she also maintains a faculty position. She's an RN with a degree in that field and is active in leadership roles at the AGD and the ADA. She's a national spokesperson for the Academy of General Dentistry, appearing in print in Men's Health, Marie Claire, Parade Magazine, The Baltimore Sun, Consumer Reports, Reader's Digest, and many others. You know, Gigi, the global facial injectable market in 2022 was more than $16 billion. And that's more than three times the size of what arguably is the hottest topic in dentistry now, dental implants. I mean, and we have more patients that can use this service. I mean, so many patients come into our office to improve their smile for a smile makeover, to enhance their look, and what better way to augment what we already do than facial injectables, right, Gigi? Absolutely, it's huge and just keeps getting bigger. When I first got started, you know, in this business, I was a unicorn in Maryland because I wanted to do this. In fact, I got a lot of pushback from a lot of our colleagues who ultimately relented. And so here we are today. But yeah, it's a massive industry. So, you know, you mentioned you mentioned when you first got started, you know, there, there's so many different things now. So what kind of products, you know, now are currently available that we we can utilize in the practice? Every dentist really has an obligation to at least know about neurotoxins because it has direct implications for what a dentist does every single day of their working life. Um, you could make an argument also for fillers. In fact, uh, Case Western Reserve, the orthodontic uh, residency program had me out there a little over a year ago because they understand that in orthodontics, one of the common um, endpoints they get to when they do a treatment plan is they often want to bump out the chin. So they suggest to the patient that they have a genioplasty. And they came to me and said, you know, we, we of course advise this, but very few people wind up doing it. And they knew that I could show them how to do a genioplasty with dermal filler. So they had me um, at their school and we wound up doing an entire course surrounding that topic alone. So profiloplasty, which is something that every dentist is involved in, is also um, uh, a reason to at least be curious about what we do in the injectable world. But you know, not only that, Gigi, um, also TMJ, right? TMD conditions? Yeah, so um, I love how people always conflate TMJ with TMD. So um, if you say TMJ, yes, there are applications. But when you talk about TMD, which is defined by the National Institutes of Dental and Craniofacial Research, it implies there's some sort of derangement. So it's either myofascial pain or uh, a joint derangement or some sort of um, uh, 
degenerative joint disease. So if you're talking about those three things, no, neurotoxins can't be used for that. There's consensus data every six or seven years by Cochrane et al. that says there's just not enough evidence. And remember, we've been collecting evidence on this since the 1980s to say that we should be doing this for temporomandibular joint dysfunction. So if you're talking about the actual uh, capsular problem, no. But that said, if you have somebody who has parafunction that's unrelated to a joint uh, problem, which is, you know, and everybody in Washington, D.C. is on an SSRI. So just about everybody is grinding those teeth down to those, you know, little two millimeter things where you can look right into the root canal. So that sort of individual is absolutely amenable to neurotoxin, which is why I believe um, it's our obligation as dentists to understand this. Moreover, it's not even just TMJ with neurotoxin. It's... Um, the gummy smile. So, you know, George, you and I are of the vintage where we remember that the only thing you would do for uh, vertical maxillary excess is you would do that Lafort fracture, take it out, or do those Denver mile high veneers. You'd cut back all the gum and then you'd create these ginormous teeth. So that's massively invasive, massively expensive. And, you know, it's, it's, it's way overdone. So um, you can just drop the lip with neurotoxin and it's inexpensive. It, it's, it, la it seems to last longer than cosmetic, uh, other cosmetic applications such as, you know, like the, the wrinkled forehead or something like that. The research is telling us that when we do uh, botulinum toxins for the gummy smile, we're getting close to six months out of this. And when I used to practice dentistry and patients would come in um, for gummy smile, I always thought they were lazy. They, were, they wouldn't come back in, but every six months. So every time they came in for their hygiene visit, that's when we'd wind up doing their neurotoxin. I thought, why do they do this? And then of course the research comes out and says that um, the gummy smile neurotoxin lasts about six months. So it's great. That's fantastic. That's fantastic stuff. And and of course, when you're when you say neurotoxin, for those that don't know, you're referencing Botox. Botox, Xeomin, um, what else is there? There's Juveau, there is Disport, and um coming to a, a clinic near you is going to be Daxify next. So yeah, there's a there's a number of them. So I mean, I know it's kind of complicated, but what would be the main difference between, let's say, a Botox and a Xeomin? I mean, why would you choose one over the other? So for me in Potomac, Maryland, um, I stick with Botox because that is the name. And um, when you're talking about Botox and Xeomin, Evilus's product, Javot and Disport, there's not a huge difference. But now with Daxify, there's going to be a huge difference because, and I don't know how, how deep you want me to get into this, but we used to think that the little molecules that sat around the actual molecule that does all the work, the neurotoxin itself, we used to think those molecules didn't impart any sort of flavor or function on the actual core molecule. And now it turns out it does because the same amount of neurotoxin that we use in this area called the glabella up here um, in between the, the eyebrows where you get those ones or 11s. Um, the same amount of neurotoxin in 20 units of Botox, which is 0.18 nanograms, 
is the same amount in 40 units, the recommended dose of Daxify. But Daxify is lasting six months and Botox lasts three months at that 0.18 nanograms. So, um, so there are some differences and it's largely driven by, I think, your patient population. Like I said, people in Potomac, Maryland, you know, they're worried about something being a knockoff. But honestly, um, they all function the same way. They all cleave the same proteins and function the same way. So that that's really interesting. And, you know, that that's uh, we'll talk about training in a minute, but that's all the more reason why you need to get the training, because it is a little complex and there's more and more new products coming out, I'm, I'm assuming, all the time. Uh, but you mentioned patients, Gigi. So how do you approach your patients in a general dental office to sort of offer this kind of service? Yeah, so I'm not a big, uh, I'm not your salesperson. Um, and the way I grew my practice to the point of exclusion of dentistry. So I, at a certain point, my practice flipped and I was doing more injectables than I was doing dentistry. So we kind of we saw the writing on the wall and just ended the dentistry. But the way I personally decided to pursue the practice was I was going to have some very tasteful advertisement inside my office because a lot of times, depending on what state you're in, you really can't advertise this. Your state board will define how you can advertise or if you can advertise this. Um, because often states will want you to make sure your patient is a patient of dental record before you step out and treat them for neurotoxins or, or dermal fillers or covalent. So what you want to do, is, in my opinion, is you want to have subtle cues that you're actually doing this. And when you're doing that, you really need to make your office look like you would do this. So you don't want an office that has a bunch of ugly tchotchkes on the wall, everything that represents dentistry and, and just signals to your brain that this is where pain occurs. You don't want that. You want it to look very tasteful. So we, we had already had a, a fairly nice practice um, as far as the aesthetics go, but we paid particular attention to that. And then the other thing we did was we made sure our staff that wanted to be treated were treated. And I would have people walking into my front desk and saying to my front desk person, what did she do on you? Whatever she did, I want that done. Um, so lots of cues there. And then you allow the patient to open the door to expanded treatment after you've satisfied their chief complaint. So if somebody comes in and they, they really want to address their only the upper third, so their forehead, and you see a lot of other stuff, like you see that lower third and it's bugging you. And this is one of my pet peeves. I always want to treat the lower third. I've never met a chin over 40 that would not benefit from Botox. But, <laughs> but um, once you take care of that patient and you, you've addressed their chief complaint, they will come back to you and they will say something like, do you see anything else that you might want to do because you've you've developed trust and confidence and that's how the practice grows is just if you deliver on your promise um you you underpromise and overdeliver your practice will grow if you if you like doing this always and so you made a couple of really great points there right so you want to make sure that your staff is involved and on board so you sort of have walking models 
Uh, so that's really fantastic. But you also mentioned, Gigi, uh, you mentioned state regulations, and uh, it's not the same in every state, correct? I mean, different states have different regulations in terms of what you can do and what you can't do, right? Absolutely. Yeah, they vary greatly. Um, I would love for everything to come in line and for everything to be exactly the same across the board. And I believe at some point we'll get there. I don't know if they'll they'll get there in my my career span, but I'm I'm hoping they will. There are some uh, states that only allow you to do therapeutic, meaning the stuff that we were just talking about. So the gummy smile, um, uh, bruxism, parafunction, uh, those those types of services. And if you dance outside of those lines, you can get yourself into a whole bunch of hot water. So you do need to understand where your state is, but I must tell you that the movement is definitely toward um, the full panoply of treatment, um, anything above the clavicle pretty much. So that's definitely states are moving in that direction. Yeah, we can see where it's growing more and more. I mean, the simple fact that you can have a standalone practice for facial injectables uh, you know, just tells us where this is heading. I mean, and for someone that has a general dental office or something of that sort, um, it's a tremendous uh, service that you can add, you know, not only for your patients and their aesthetics, but uh, also, I guess, for the bottom line, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, when I teach this, I do say, you know, don't do this simply because you know there's a, a major financial reward. Because if you can imagine your most difficult veneer patient coming in every single day of your life, because, right, like you can't hide your face. I mean, we were, you know, able to do a lot of lips under masks for a, a year and a half during COVID. That was wonderful. Um, but if you have something that goes a little wonky, everyone sees it. And um, that's a that's a billboard walking around that's that's not in your favor, and it can be frustrating if you don't understand not just the anatomy but how the patient ages, the normal process of aging, where something might benefit you, where every every muscle has an origin and an insertion, and you don't just have action imparted on the insertion site. So there can be negative effects as well. So you really have to understand this in a very complete way. And this has to be something that interests you because you know, like with, I mean, I never did endo because I, I sucked at it and I didn't like it. And there was, there, there was never going to be a marriage between me and endo. It just would never have worked. But this, I think, was probably always my my destiny because I'd always had an interest in facial aging and and why it was that even somebody who didn't have wrinkles, I can kind of guess where they are on the age continuum. So um, if you have a genuine interest in this and you like aesthetics and you can be very honest and humble with your patients, because I think those are two really important aspects of being a solely aesthetic practitioner because you have to both be able to admit something did not go right or something is not perfect yet so if if you have that ability you probably have the ability to to do this on a large scale yeah 
Absolutely. And you know, one of the things you just mentioned also was anatomy. And I know one of the, and we'll talk about training in a few minutes, but one of the things that makes what you do so much different than what some others might do is that you actually have a, an anatomy component in many of your courses, right? Yeah. So um, I had identified a long time ago when um, injectables were going simply from chasing lines and wrinkles to pan facial rejuvenation. I knew I had forgotten so much of my um, head and neck anatomy that I, I wanted to pursue that. And I, after I had done that, I, I, and I started teaching, I knew that this was not something that just, that was um, unique to me, that I was the only one that had forgotten more anatomy than I'd than I could remember. Um, so I started doing the dissections and I actually do them for BU. I'm their um, head and neck prosector for the course. And um, if you can see that three-dimensional arrangement of facial anatomy, that can make you an expert injector. Um, a lot of uh, venues now do not allow us to have cadaveric tissue delivered to them. But as a result of my teaching, I have just a ton of video very close up um, of this. So in those cases where we're at a, like a convention center where you're not allowed to have um, cadaveric tissue, we still provide um, an excellent experience with respect to the anatomy. Fantastic. So, so Gigi, let's talk a little bit about training then. So, you know, obviously this is something that you just can't uh, order some Botox and, and start uh uh, messing around with your patients. So, so what kind of training, um, are, you know, do you, re do we recommend where does someone start to sort of get involved in this? Yeah. It's going to depend on what your ambitions are. So if you think the only thing I'm going to do is the therapeutic, then start with a Botox course that has, you know, all the requisite components, and that is understanding the pharmacology, uh, deep dive into the anatomy, understanding um, uh, a lot of the physiology as well. If you think this might be something more encompassing, so you're interested in the cosmetic aspect of this, then you might consider doing both a, a botulinum toxin and a filler course. Sometimes they're combined, sometimes you can get them um, separately. Uh, but I will caution this, it's people are often frustrated because they come away after 16 or 21 hours on a weekend and they still feel that they lack confidence. You are never going to be confident if you don't do something. You'll never get there. And um, you have to start. And part of treating um, your staff and, and people that you know, so relatives, is, is um, a way to make yourself more comfortable with these modalities. Also, we, in, in my group, we offer refreshers. Because what we identified was a lot of people were taking courses elsewhere or even our course, they'll go home and then they don't do it. And then they wind up coming back, paying the full freight again for the full day, whereas they really don't need the full day. They really just need the didactic part again. And um, so they would do that. And the refresher really, if you haven't done 
um, a refresher course in two years, you're behind the curve. Because every day of my life, seven days a week, I spend time because I'm in love with the modality. I spend time reading the paper, the papers that are coming out and updating my programs because this is an evolving field. It's, it's young. It's not like dentistry that's been around for, you know, since the annals of time and it's just constantly evolving. So you must commit yourself. If you are going to do this at all, commit yourself to at least once every two years doing some sort of refresher. I personally, me, I go to two plastic surgery meetings a year, come hell or high water. Even during COVID, I sat through those horrible Zoom calls and, and or the, uh, the virtual events and did that because everything changes. Protocols change and you must, must, must be up to date um, because I will mention that one of the things that I do is I'm an expert witness um, in litigation that concerns injectable modalities. And the thing that I see the most is people are not current or don't even know about certain um, uh, protocols that we're supposed to follow. That's great advice. And you know, you spoke about you spoke about training and you know refresher courses and videos and so on and so forth. And a lot of what you had just talked about, uh, folks can find that um, with your group, and that's Faces. So tell me a little bit about about your company. Yeah, so um, we've been around for uh, a while now. We grew from just just me to having um, a fair number of faculty members, uh, but I still am the only one that delivers the didactic information. Um, I believe that's important. Um, when you come to one of my courses, you're you're getting me. You're not getting um, anybody else. It's it's going to be me. I'm I'm the um, material expert, and um, and I promise you I will deliver. And um, but now because Pace and SERP both require that we have a certain doctor uh, student ratio or or faculty student ratio which is one to 15. We never do that. We do one to 12. Um, we believe um, lower ratios are uh, provide a better experience and a more timely experience because doing 15 people in four hours um, is kind of tough. We usually would run over time and that always impacts everybody on, on the other end. So, um, so yeah, I think, um, you know, we're, we're, we're at the forefront. I'm the only one in this space who teaches this at an accredited dental school. I am the course director for the facial injectables program, which, by the way, is not um, a uh, an um, elective. It's actually uh, the D the D2s or D3s, I forget which, at BU, and the advanced standing students all um, take the, uh, the entire didactic course, which is a fair number of hours. And then there's, um, they can move on to do uh, some injectables. So it's, it's a, it's a, an event, it's a uh, course where it evolves. Um, but everyone at BU, if, if they graduate from BU since 2019, they are all getting this um, in their curriculum. So like I said, I'm the only one in the dental space that has um, an academic um, appointment. So um, hopefully I've convinced you that I'm probably one of the best ones to teach it to you. And um, I'm in love with the modality and I hope I get to do this for a while. Yeah. So I did not know, I knew you were faculty at, at, uh, 
up in Boston, but I did not know that that was actually in the dental curriculum. That's fantastic. Yeah. That is really good stuff. And so, but not only that though, you do travel around regionally to different areas and, and offer this kind of education, right? Yeah. Um, I have a pretty, um, pretty robust travel schedule. So I was at Yankee two weeks later, I was in Arizona. Um, I will be in Hinman this, uh, in two weeks, then I'll be in Missouri, then Texas, Tennessee, and Minnesota. So yeah, um, it's a busy schedule. I would love to have the pre-COVID travel experience that we once had, because as you know, George, flying now is no fun. Um, but um, but I am always exhilarated by the dentists um, and nurses too. And, and actually I've trained some, uh, for some reason, I guess because of my cadaver courses, I get uh, plastic surgeons from South America that come up for the course, which is interesting. But yeah, I'm exhilarated by anybody who's interested in this. And um, it's, it's, this is the, the ride of a lifetime. I, if you had said to me even 15 years ago that this would be my life where I would get to absolutely pursue my, my most uh, delightful academic interest, and I could do it completely and solely, I, I would have said, nah, that's a pipe dream. So here I am living the dream. And, and you're doing a fantastic job at it. Um, and, you know, so uh, you mentioned that um, not only are you, do, do you occupy the dental space, but you've also got physicians and, and, and others that come to your course, which, which is just a testament to your ability, your passion, your commitment, and all the things that you've really done. Well, I appreciate that, George, but I also believe fully that um, people know when um, when you're authentic and um, and when you're delivering a program that that is following the literature, and that's exactly what we do. Um, none of our programs are are pre-taped and then you know uh, given um, virtually or. Uh, or online, you know, downloadable. And that's because the, to be honest, the material gets stale in, in six months. In six months, everything can change. And I think people know that. And if you can bring the latest information to people, it's exciting and engaging. And it it just will absolutely reinvigorate your interest in what you do if if you start you know, pursuing something that you know that you're probably at the top of the game of, you know, like if you have the best information, you're going to feel, you know, because one of the things here is you have to feel that you could do it at least as well or better than somebody who's renting space down the hallway. And uh, that's what we aim to deliver. So, so that's a good point. What do you say to the practitioner, the clinician that, that doesn't have the confidence that thinks, well, maybe, you know, I'm a dentist and, and, you know, and, and this might not be my space. What do you say to that person? I would never try to sell someone to do this. Um, one of the courses that we do offer is it's kind of like a weeding out course. So we provide an overview course. I just did one a couple of weeks ago for um, a group in Baltimore and it's an overview and I don't, I don't sugarcoat anything and I tell you the problems that can go wrong and I'll answer all of your questions truthfully. But I feel very strongly that 
you shouldn't find out that you want that you don't want to do this after your $2,000 in the tank and a weekend spent. Um, so providing an overview and answering these questions fully is um, probably the best way to determine um, if someone is, is actually uh, capable of this. Because if, you're, if you do lack in confidence and you feel that you would need like a full um, four years of dental school before you could come out and do something, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that you probably shouldn't do. But if you if you are confident in um, in many abilities, like if you've gone out and you've taken other courses and you come home and you go to your office and you start um, instituting them right away, you're probably fairly confident. But I would advise definitely that if if you're concerned about whether or not this is a modality for you and whether you feel this is something that interests you, because if it doesn't interest you, don't bother. But if it does and you want to weed that out, I would say look for one of our courses where we're doing just one of those overviews. And that, like, I usually don't set the fees because my zone of genius is the modality. I don't create um, programs, so I don't set up programs all over the planet. I, I go to Hinman where they've their zone of genius is running a meeting. And that's kind of where I, I would go. Um, but um, yeah, look for one of those meetings or um, email us at admin at faces.llc and we can tell you if those programs are coming up or available. That's fantastic. So then just a recap. Um, so you can get uh, sort of entry-level training, refresher courses, a course in person. You offer some cadaver uh, courses and online videos as well and support ongoing once you become sort of a a member of faces or involved so, with faces? Um, the, the, what we have with faces is if you have taken at least six hours of a hands-on modality with, with us, you're eligible to join our group called about face. And we meet six times a year right now. It's, it's so cheap. It's $210. You get CE for it. Um, and you can send me any question, any problem, send me pictures. If you're a member of that group. Why do you say you, you you're probably asking why if it if it was only faces? We know that um, other teachers, other groups don't cover the same material that we do. So for instance, for years, I was telling people about certain adverse events that they've never heard of in other courses, and they were stunned and shocked. So we know that our our programs, our, our full disclosure, and we tell you everything. So what we don't want is to get onto one of these calls where we're all able to ask questions and, and you'll send me pictures and, and we'll go over them. We don't want someone who hasn't taken our course saying, well, wait a minute, I didn't know about that. And then suddenly everything gets thrown back. We have to take time to explain that. So if they've taken a FACES course, six hours hands-on, we have a study group where they can... Um, and they did it. These are wonderful. It's like I said, every two months we meet for at least an hour. Sometimes it runs a little more. I try to keep it to an hour. People send in their um, photos. They ask uh, questions contemporaneously. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a fun group. That's fantastic. And as we all know, that's a tremendous part of education is an ongoing network where you can, you know, sort of commiserate and support and things like that. Really great stuff, Gigi. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time, but I just can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your expertise and knowledge 
and your passion for facial injectables. If you don't mind, could you share your contact information and how the folks can get a hold of you? Sure. Um, so I, uh, you can get me through Instagram. I'm at Faces uh, Doctor, and uh, I have a lot of free information um, on my YouTube channel. That's that's the YouTube at Faces Doctor. But if you need to get in touch with me, you can go through um, my staff, and that would be admin at Faces LLC. And you can go to our website and get there too. And that's faces.llc. Fantastic. Thanks again, Gigi. And, George, uh, thank you so much. It's so fun talking with you. And I'm, I, I just, I'm so thankful for your passion for continuing education. Thank you for everything. Fantastic. Thanks again, Gigi. And I also want to thank our producer, Kristen Gover, communications director for AGD. And if you like what you heard, please like and subscribe to our channel. You can always find us on the AGD app, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And if you have any suggestions, questions, concerns, or comments, you can contact us at news at So thanks again, and we'll see you next time.